to be here due to sickness, sickness due to being in the hospital, these other things we want to continue to be praying for them. You can look around, you can see there's a lot not here today. Several, several, several connections to the church that are sick. Want to hold them up to God in prayer. Before we pray, just a couple of announcements. Very quickly, very quickly. The Christmas letter has been sent out to everybody via text, email, and it's also on our social media and our website. You have not gotten that. Text the keyword. And I think Miss Katie, I think it's on the screen. We can put it there. Text the keyword Christmas to 205 
Thank you. 
worship him this morning. Thank you, Jesus.
good amen glory be to god amen you may be seated this morning amen glory be to god amen again we appreciate you being in the house of god today amen i look around and i'm seeing those that are sick those that are not here i'm gonna tell you it breaks my heart see those that are sick we've got several connected to our church that are they're not feeling well this morning we want to continue to be make sure that we pray for them that God will help them and God will minister in their lives. Amen? Amen. Let's go to God one more time and pray before we dig into His Word this morning. Dear kind and gracious Heavenly Fathers, we come to you today. We want to thank you for the blessings that you've given us. Thank you for this great opportunity that you've allowed us to come to worship and praise you. Father, today as we bring forth your Word as you've given it to us, Father, I pray that you'll continuously hide us behind the cross of Calvary, that those looking would see your Son he being high and lifted up, that all would be drawn unto you. We forever give you the praise, the honor, and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Uh, Sister Deborah is going with those, taking those ages 4 to 99, I mean 4 to 12 uh, with her. Uh, they're going to be practicing getting things ready. Remember, they're going to be doing their uh, song and little skit going to be coming up on the 17th and then our uh, our students are going to be doing they've got something that they're going to be doing on the 24th so I'm excited and then lunch next Sunday so we've got a lot going on a lot of things happening around the church but God is good amen amen and I'm so excited about being in the house of God today amen you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with us to Ephesians chapter thir 3, verse 20. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. I want you to, the title of this is A Deeper Meaning for Christmas. A Deeper Meaning of Christmas. 
You know, and I mentioned this a little bit on um, um, on Wednesday, this past Wednesday. I mentioned, I did mention this a little bit. You find that most people, most Americans, most people, they are celebrating Christmas. They they want Christmas. Why? They want some. They want presents. They want something under the Christmas tree. You've got a lot of folks that they celebrate Christmas, yet they do not realize that the holiday that they are celebrating is the birth of a Jew that they are also at the same time today calling for the extinction of the Jewish people. You have people across America that they are in the process that they are, they are calling for free Palestine. They're on the side of Hamas in the middle of this war. And they're calling and they're chanting the words that they really do not understand what they're chanting. But they're chanting the words from the river to the sea. And these words are in Hamas, in Palestine. These words are for the extinction of all Jewish people from the river to the sea. And you look at the map of Israel. On one side is the river, and on the other side is the what? The sea. And that's what they're calling and they're chanting. But yet they also want to celebrate the time that we are coming into, Christmas, because they want those expensive gifts under the tree. People will go into debt this time of the year, buying all of these expensive gifts and these expensive and elaborate things, and they go into debt, and they can't pay their power bill in January because they've gone so much in debt in in December over Christmas. And what we as the church world, don't, don't misunderstand me, I'm not knocking Christmas. I love Christmas. I love giving gifts. I love, I love it whenever uh, I see my daughter or I see my nieces and nephews and my cousins, and I love it when I see these kids open up their Christmas presents. And, and I love it when... When, uh, when me and Sister Carrie, we may exchange a gift or we may give each other something. And, and I love those times whenever we go through these Christmas times. And it's a wonderful time of the year. You see all of these Christmas decorations going up and everybody seems to be in a different type of mood. I love the time of Christmas. But what we've got to realize is there is a deeper meaning about Christmas than consumerism. There's a deeper meaning of Christmas than what we elaborate on and what we hold our focus to. And we must get into the realization of the meaning of Christmas. So to that end, we're not going to Luke. I want you to go to Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. I want you to take a look at something. Now, before anybody gets excited or before anybody... We start going through this and they start saying, well, this is not making sense. This is not script. This is not talking about Christmas. You're going to have to get all the way to the very end to tie everything together in a nice, neat little Christmas bow. Okay? So just hold on for the ride and you'll get everything at the end. Okay? Everything will make more sense at the end. Just follow along with me. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, it says this, Now to him... We all know who that that is. That is not talking about us. That is talking about God. That is talking about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Now to him who is able. This is one of my favorite verses. 
Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we could think or ask. And many times people will stop right there and they don't go any further. They are looking at the things that God can do for us, but they don't look at the rest of the verse. The rest of the verse says, according to the power at work within you and I. It is the power that is work within us. Now remember, we've talked about this before, how that many times people will say, I, you know, I can't stand this phrase. Well, the devil made me do it. devil didn't make a Christian do anything. Hello? Well, the devil threw those temptations in my, in my way, and I stumbled and I fell over those temptations. Church, you've got to realize something. Greater is he that is in me than in he that is in the world. You've got to realize this is the same power that it has worked within us, the one that can do far more abundantly than what we could ever think or ask. So let's take a look at this. Just for just for Let's break this verse down for just a moment. God is able to do what we ask. Knowing that, look just how strong and how powerful God is. Thinking about what He can do, that He can do what we ask. Know how strong and how powerful God is. He is able to do far more. What does that mean? The words far more in this, in this passage of Scripture, when you do a word study and look at the Scripture, it says, when you look at far more, it means that God is able to do far more. In other words, He can surpass what we would have as a request. You think of something that you're asking God for, God can do more than that. Amen? Many times people will put God in a little bitty box and they say, Oh, God's only able to do this much. There's many times churches will do the oh poor me mentality and they think well this is all we're able to do but they've got to realize God is able to do far more than what we ask of God to do amen we've got to get that in our mindset God is not a God that is sitting back and just doing just the small things we must understand God is so much bigger than that amen God can do far more. The next word that you find in that passage on the second line here on our screen, it says far more abundantly. Abundantly. So what does that word mean for us? The word abundantly means to overflow. To do more than enough. To go over and beyond. To surpass our every need. When we have a need in our lives... We need food in our, in, our, in our cabinets. I'm not telling you to do this, but I want you to get this as a mindset because we all understand food, right? We all understand that food is very expensive right now, right? You know, uh, me and, I think me and, it was me and David was talking about this the other day. I was telling, I, me and him was talking about the fact that, you know, I, I told him, I said, Sister Carrie came to the door. I, I knew that she was pulling up and, and I was going to go outside and I was going to help her bring the groceries in. I knew according to the, to the text message I'd gotten from the credit card company, I knew that she had swiped and had spent between Walmart and uh, Fresh Value 
And I think she stopped at Publix, Publix between those three stores in her stops those, the, those days that me and David was talking about. When I was talk, me and him was talking, I said, she spent about 200 to $250 during that time frame. And I was thinking, man, she's got a whole lot of stuff coming in. So I go outside, I'm going to help her bring those groceries in. They had about four bags from Walmart. There's one bag from Fresh Value. And they wasn't a bag from Publix because it was all in a hand. They ain't nothing. Now, 15 years ago, if she'd have spent that kind of money, we wouldn't need groceries for four months. Do y'all hear what I'm saying? Okay, so we understand groceries are expensive, right? So we've got to get in our mindset, we've got to get in our mindset of when we're going to God and we're asking Him for something, when we go to God and seeking Him from something, we've got to realize and we've got to get it in our mindset, God's bigger than all of that. Do you hear me? God is bigger than all of that. Brother Andy, you don't understand. These groceries are so expensive. This God is bigger than that. Amen. But you don't understand, Brother Andy. I had a flat tire the other day, and then, then I, I had to use some grocery money to get the flat tire fixed, and I had to do this to do that. And so now my grocery money, God's bigger than all of that. Brother Andy, you don't understand the, the power bill and the water bill and, and, and the money coming in and, and the bills that's got to go out. You don't understand. It's all sin. God's bigger than all of that. Do you all understand what I'm saying? God is far more abundantly than all of that. I'm going to tell you something. Me and Sister Carrie, we lived in Anniston. We had a little home. There's vehicles that cost more than our home costed way back 20 years ago. There's vehicles today. We went and actually looked at a vehicle a couple years ago, and it costed $15,000 more than our first house. I was thinking, my word, it's an expensive car. But I remember sitting at that kitchen table. And I remember sitting there and looking at, at, at what the checkbook balance was. I'd just gotten paid. So I write down what, what, is, what I got paid in there and I added the numbers up. And it was about like adding three plus three. Wasn't really that big numbers. And I'm thinking, that's what, we, that's what we've got in the checking account. And this is the bills. The bills was here. And the checking account balance was. And I seriously thought, how are we going to be able to buy groceries? How are we going to be able to, to pay all these bills plus put gas in the car? How is these things going to take place? I'm going to tell you something. I'd go to the mailbox or she'd go to the mailbox and she'd call me and she'd say, hey, there's an envelope from so-and-so. And I opened the envelope. And there was a check in there. There's, a, there's an envelope from the mortgage company and there's a check in there. Why is there a check in the, in the thing from the mortgage company? Has anybody ever gotten a check from your mortgage company? Am I the only one? We've had the mortgage on this house for 20 years. This house that we have in Anniston. We have a mortgage on it. 
we have somebody that lives in that house. They pay rent. That rent goes to that mortgage. We don't put any money in our pocket. It goes back to that mortgage. If I get $100 more than what they, what their rent is, out of their rent than what the mortgage is, it all goes to the mortgage. I'm trying to pay that thing off. Be so happy when I pay that thing off. But in the 20 years that we've had that mortgage, do you know how many times we've gotten a check from them? We've gotten four checks from them. We still have a mortgage on that thing. And I'm not talking about a $10 check. We got one just the other day, didn't we? It was $180. We just got a check from the mortgage company. Overage. I called them the very first time and I said, hey, overage, what's an overage when I owe you? He said, we have to send that to you. It's by law. I said, well, can't you just put that on the principal? Nope, we have to give it to you. I'm like, hallelujah, glory to God. Let me tell you something. There's been times that I was thinking, where are we going to buy groceries? An overage check from the mortgage company would come in. There was times I'm trying to figure out, how are we going to pay the bills? Then a, then a refund check from the insurance company came in. There was times that I was thinking, how are we going to do this? And somebody would walk up to me and they'd hand me, they'd, do a hand, they'd give me a handshake and they'd hold my hand real tight and they'd say, I want to make sure to bless you with this. And I'd just put it in my pocket and we'd get home. And I'd pull things out of my pocket and I'd hand it to Sister Carrie. I said, look at what somebody gave us today. That'd be a $100 bill. Guess what? That was gro- it, ain't, it, it don't cover all the groceries now. <laughs> 200 and something dollars. But I'm going to tell you something. It gets peanut butter and jelly and bread. Hello? What we've got to understand is when we limit what God can do, then we limit what God can do. God can do far more abundantly if we will just turn it over to Him. Amen. We've got to do that in our lives. Amen. Let's go on. Look at the next words. Look at the third line. We ask or think. Look at, that. Look at those words. We ask or think. Imagine going beyond anything that we can think. Now, let me tell you something. Most of you know, most of you have been around me for eight and a half years. Some of you, just a, just a few months. Some of you, less than that. Some of you, a couple of years. Okay? But everybody in here, whether this is only the second time you've seen me, or you've seen me more than that, Everybody has a realization that I have a huge. Yes, I have no hands. But I have a huge imagination. Everybody knows I got no hands. Even live feed catches that one. But everybody also understands that I've got a huge imagination. And so far above what I can think, man, that's a lot. That's a lot. Amen. We've got to quit limiting what God can do. Amen. We limit God. And we've got to extend that. Imagine going beyond what we can think. What is the greatest answer or deliverance that we could think about? God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can think. That's a mighty big God, folks. 
That's a mighty big God. Amen. When we look at the power and the strength of God, we need to also see what else is in Scripture. When we find what God is able to do, we find, I'm going to throw these verses at you. They're not on the screen, but I'm going to throw this at you, okay? When we find what God is able to do, when we look at the strength and the power that God has, and we quit limiting God. Do you know how we limit God in our finances? Our tithes and our offerings. Do you know how we limit God in the things that we do in our lives? By not trusting in Him. When we limit God, we tie the hands of God. But when we give to God, when we, when we ask God, when we go to God humbly, when we go boldly before the throne room of God, when we go to God for grace and mercy, God is so powerful. Do you know how I know that? Because I know that God is able to raise children up from stones. Luke chapter 3 verse 8. And do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children from Abraham. We also know that God is able to fulfill promises, even if they're humanly impossible. Romans chapter 4 and verse 21. Well, I am fully convinced that God is able to do what God has promised He will do. We also know that God is able to make grace abound. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 8 when it says, God is able to make all of grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound to every good work. God is also able to subdue all things. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 21. God is able to guard the soul's treasure. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12. God is able to save to the uttermost in Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 25. And God is able to keep you from falling in Jude verse 24. When he says this, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. Church, God is able. We need to trust in him. We need to depend on him. Man will fail you, but God will never fail you. Man will let you down, but God will build you up. Man, can, man says you're the least of these. God says you're the greatest. Man says you're, you're going to finish last. God says you're finishing first. God says you're the tail. The devil says you're the tail. God says you're the head. The devil says that you've lost it and you're never going to win the battle. But God says you are victorious through Christ Jesus. We've got to understand God is great. God is great. Amen. Glory be to God. We will look back at verse 20 one more time. That wasn't on live feed. Nobody heard that, right? Verse 20. Look back at what it says. Verse 20 tells us this. It says, according to the power at work within us. Church, the devil ain't in charge. The devil ain't in charge. Look, church, the devil ain't in charge. 
the devil ain't in power. The devil is defeated. The devil's looking to the end and saying, I'm done. I'm over with. I, I, I ain't going to win. The devil is not in charge. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Quit, give, quit giving the devil authority over your life. If the devil has forgiven you, quit bringing it back up. Do you know why people can't forget what you've done? You keep bringing it back up. The devil says you're defeated because of what your past is. God says you're victorious because of what your future is. Hello? We've got to understand it's not about what I've done. It's about what he did in my life to get rid of that and to get me to the cross of Calvary. It ain't about your past. What is the power? Let me me throw this one in here while I got it. I think that door's unlocked. The devil didn't steal nothing from you. The devil did not steal a thing from you. I know the song. I went to the enemy's camp. And I took back what he stole from me. Everybody gets all excited over that song. I've heard that song at camp meetings. I've heard that song at revival services. I've heard that song at church services. I've seen people take laps around the church, swing on chandeliers, climb up the walls, walk on pews, walk on air, walk on water. I've seen people shout to the to the every wall, every nail in the and the walls came out. I went to the enemy's camp and I took back what he stole from me. Do you un, do you do you hear my daughter, if she was in here, she would definitely shake her head. Do you hear the words that are coming out of your mouth? You're saying that the devil was so strong, he stole stuff from you. You allowed him to take it. Church, it's time to put the devil where he belongs, and that's under your foot, and quit allowing him to walk into your camp and steal your victory, your joy, your children, your parents, your cousins, your neighbors. I am so tired of parents allowing the devil to steal their kids. It's time, parents... To walk into their bed, if they live under your house, under the roof of your house, I don't care if they five or 35, if they live in your house. Now, I said that to my daughter one time, and she said, it ain't yours, it's God's. Hmm. can't get mad when they tell the truth, right? Because I'm going to bop you in the head, girl. But parents, your kids live in your house. It's time to be the parent and not the best friend. Drag them to the house of God. I don't care if they come in their pajamas. Throw a jacket on them, and if they ain't decent when they walk in the door, I'll find something to 
put on them. Hello? Come on. It's time to bring them in the house of God. If you have to bribe your kids, if they've already grown and moved out, and you have to bribe and tell them I'll buy you lunch. I, look, I've already heard of some of y'all doing this. I, 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 come on, amen, hallelujah. It's time to be the parent and get our kids into the house of God. I am tired of the devil stealing our kids. Study shows, study shows that once, their kid, once your kids go off to college, that their church attendance drops. If they attend church 75% of the time during high school, I know that kids are going to miss because of whatever sickness and vacations and things like that. Study shows if they miss 60, if they attend church 67 to 75 percent of time from the high school time frame, when they go off to college, if they go away from your home, their attendance drops that fast to 34 percent. I am tired of the devil stealing our kids. Hello. It's time to get them in the house of God. It's time for them to be in the house of God. Amen? Let's, let's look at this. So it's not that the devil stole. It's that we've allowed the devil. Now, now, parents that's got kids that are adults, I know you want to beat them in the head with a ball bat. And I've got a ball bat that you can borrow that leaves no bruises. Or so I've been told. But what we can do at that point in time is I'm going to tell you something. If you ask me to pray for them, you better, you better hold on because I'm going to tell you something. This is how I pray. God disturb their sleep. Don't let them get any sleep. God disturb their work process. Don't get them fired, but disturb their work process. Disturb their eating habits. Don't, I, I, they, they're never hungry. I don't want them to eat. I don't want them to have anything to eat. I want them to be disturbed. I want the only thing on their mind is God. Hello? If your spouse or your child ain't saved, don't ask me to pray for them unless you want them to really get upset. Because I'm going to tell you something. If they're doing things they ain't supposed to, I'll pray it makes them sick. Goes in their mouth and it ain't supposed to go in their body, I pray it makes them sick. Hello? They watching something on TV or on their telephone that they ain't supposed to watch. I pray that they, that they have a technical malfunction. I don't care if their phone dies. I don't care if the television dies. I really don't give a flying flip. I want them in the house of God. Hello? That would be my gift, my gift this year. My Christmas gift this year. This is December the 3rd. Between now and December the 25th, if we just had a whole lot of folks getting saved or back in church, boy, that'd be my Christmas gift this year. That's going to be my prayer. I got, I got a lot of folks just connected to this church. I'm, I better quit. I'm going to get in trouble. Let me go on over here. All right, let's take a look. According to the power that works within us. What's the power that's within us? It is the combined power of all that God has put within us. 
The power of the Spirit to strengthen us. The power of Christ indwelling within us. The power of the love of God working through us. The power of understanding all that God does. And the power of the fullness of God Himself. If we take a look at Psalms chapter 51 verses 1 and 2. Have mercy on me, O O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. And cleanse me from my sin. You know what David's done right here? David wrote this. And he, you know what he's done? He says, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've done wrong. And I have no excuse. I have guilt and I have brokenness. But David threw himself on the mercy of God. Appealing to the loving kindness and the mercies that God had for our lives. Do you know what do you know what these words mean? This word in verse one it means mercy. This word is a, de- de- a depicts it depicts a heartfelt response by someone who is giving something to someone who has a need. You know what? I had a need and God gave me grace. That was the mercy of God. I had a need. I had sin in my life, and I needed forgiveness. God sent His only begotten Son to give us that forgiveness. Hello? I have received the mercies of God. You know what the word loving kindness, your steadfast love, your steadfast love, you know what that means? It's the unfailing loving kindness of God. It's translated often as mercy, one of the attributes that God has. This trait stirs God to offer His wonderful promises and to keep them without fail. We fail God, but God has never failed us. Then we also find the abundant mercy. The abundant mercy. This word comes from the Hebrew word, the womb. A mother's womb signifying a deep, tender love a mother has for the helpless newborn baby a deep compassion emo- intense emotional pity affectionate affection felt in the most inward parts of a one of, of someone's being david referred to god's multitude of tender mercies meaning that god had great compassion towards us that will never be measured i'll never be a mama I don't care what this society says. I'll never be a mama. Hello? I can never identify as a mama. I will never carry a baby in my belly. I do not have the factor to carry a baby. But I have heard from multitude of women and mamas. I've heard a multitude of mamas they'll say that when they're pregnant, There's just a feeling that's beyond anything you could ever imagine. And they've never seen that child. They've never laid eyes on that child. All they seen was a pregnancy pregnancy test that said they was pregnant. And all of a sudden, something clicks in their brain. Something changes about them. And when that mama goes and they get an ultrasound and they see that little bitty peanut on that screen. And then that baby starts to grow, and they go back and they see multiple more different things. When that doctor says, you got to do this, they're going to do everything they can to do that because they're protecting that peanut. They're protecting that baby. That is the same kind of love 
that God has shown towards you and I. He blots out our transgressions with that kind of love. Amen. So there's there's three things I want to I want to leave with you this morning. First of all, take a look at Psalms chapter 51 and verse 10. There's three things I want I want you to grab a hold of. Remember, we're talking about a a different message for Christmas. Different message for Christmas. We need to ask God to create in us a pure heart, a clean heart. Look at what it says in 51 and verse 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. So the first thing that I want us to talk about is create in me a clean or pure heart. Create in me a clean or pure heart. The word create means... The work of an almighty power. If you buy some, if you buy a child a Lego set, and you dump that Lego set out on the table, that Lego set's not putting itself together. There's not the piece one in there that's going to find another piece and put themselves together and create whatever it is that it's supposed to create. You got a picture on the front of that Lego box. Those pieces will lay there until something comes and interacts with those pieces. They will never put itself together. You dump a puzzle out on the table and it will never put itself to be the picture of that dog or that cat or that landscape or that lighthouse. It will never do it. It's going to stay right where it lands. Why? Because it's an inanimate object and it cannot do anything by itself. But a power has to interact with that in order to put that Lego piece puzzle together. To put that puzzle together, there has to be an interaction of something greater to interact with it, right? Well, guess what? Create in me a clean heart. You know what God's saying? God is that almighty power, and he will do a work in our lives if we will just allow him to do it. This word in me, look at this next word, these next two words, in me. You know what that means? Bestow as a gift into my life a heart free from the taint of sin. If you have a basket, if you go to Publix or Fresh Value or, no, I'm not going to say Walmart. You go to Publix or Fresh Value and you buy, you buy a dozen apples, and you put them in a basket. And you physically looked at every one of those apples, and they all looked good. And you put those in your little bag, and you go to the checkout counter, and you check out at at, at, at the grocery store, Publix or Fresh Value, Walmart, wherever you buy those. And you take them home, and you put them in a bowl or a basket on on your kitchen counter. And you never touch those apples, they will start to ruin. That first apple that starts to ruin, if it's touching another apple, it'll start. It'll spread quickly to that second apple. It'll spread quickly to that third apple. It spreads quickly to apples 4, 5, and 6, and then 7, 8, 9, 10. 11 and 12 is not far behind. Everything will ruin very quickly. Bam! 
quickly, all because that first apple started to ruin. It'll spread quickly. Well, guess what? That's the same thing it is about us. If we allow stuff this rotten to start getting into our lives, it'll start to it'll start to spread across our lives and it'll reach every part of our lives. But God is wanting to create in me a clean heart. Instead of a heart that's tainted with sin, God is wanting to put a heart that and bestow a heart in our lives that is clean, that is pure, that is unadulterated, doesn't have sin in it, doesn't have any kind of decay on it. God is wanting to place that in our lives. It is a gift. All we have to do is receive. The second thing I want you to see out of this is the last part of this verse. It says, renew in me. It renew a right spirit within me. Renew a right spirit within me. So first of all, create in me a pure heart. Second, renew a right spirit within me. The word renew means it is already in you. It's already in you. That means got an Alabama driver's license. If you don't have a driver's license. Katie turned 15. And she didn't want it that year. She didn't get her permit to 16, right? She turned 16 years old. She did not have a permit or a driver's license. Nothing like that. So could they renew her driver's license? She didn't have one. Could they renew it? No. Why? Because she didn't have one. Renew. It's already been there. But sin has tainted it. Sin has corrupted it. Sin has brought decay. Sin has brought despair. Sin has brought depression. Sin has brought agony. Sin has brought has brought. Uh, all of these things into the life. And guess what? God is wanting to create a clean heart. Put a gift of a new heart in. And renew something that was already there. That we've allowed to denigrate. Create in me. Renew in me. It means it's already that renew has already been there. The essential principle of a new nature that's not lost. But it's been influenced by decay, depression, despair, sin, the devil. God is wanting to renew what once was lost into our lives. A right spirit, literally consistent, firm, not yielding to temptation. Not yielding to the things of this world. Finally, the third thing. Take a look at verse 12, 51 and verse 12. Look at what it says. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Uphold and uphold me with a willing spirit. I want you to notice something about this verse really quickly here at the end. I want you to notice something. David did not ask. David did not ask to restore his salvation, because his salvation wasn't lost. He knew who God was. He knew 
He knew the salvation that God could give to his life. He knew. He didn't know, he didn't know what Jesus Christ was. Jesus Christ came after him. But David knew who God was. But he also knew that that, that, that salvation is not lost, but the joy that he received had been lost. David asked to restore the joy of his salvation. We're sitting here at Christmas time. Jesus Christ came. He was born in a manger. There was no room at Motel 8. Jesus was born in the backyard in a stable where there was the goats, the cows, and the donkeys. He was born in a laid in a feeding trough that used to have food, and they dumped it out and laid hay in it and laid this little baby. This was not... You've got to realize who this person was. This was not a nobody. This was the son of God. And they laid him in a feeding trough behind the Hampton Inn. The greatest gift that's been brought for our salvation, that's been brought and given to us, was our salvation. There's nothing greater, there's no greater joy that could ever be brought to our lives than knowing our sins have been forgiven. Yet we have Christians, and I'm going to say that word very loosely because I'm wondering sometimes. We have Christians walking around moping like an Eeyore. Yes, I'm saved. Hallelujah. Why are you down in the dumps? The dibble, 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 the dibble. You've got to change your vocabulary. Instead of what has the devil done in your life, what has God done for you? But God ain't done nothing for me lately. Oh, he saved you. Hello? Is that not enough? He saved you to the uttermost. You've got joy in your salvation. In order to be upheld or sustained when facing a future and the future temptations, David asked God for a gift. David asked God for a willing spirit. Church, we must understand what is the greatest gift during Christmas time is the gift of salvation from Jesus Christ, the Son of God. We've got to understand that God, whenever that salvation comes in, the Holy Spirit of God comes in to change things in our lives, to create a new spirit, give us a clean heart and create a new in our lives and to renew the joy in our hearts and our lives. We've got to understand the greatest gift that could ever be given was salvation from God. When Christ was born, He came from one purpose, to purchase redemption on the cross of Calvary to buy back everything that sin has costed us. Sin costed us a whole lot of stuff, church. Sin costed us everything. But God said there's got to be a better way. This does not mean that we will not suffer the natural consequences of sin. You rob a bank and then you ask God to forgive you and save you, you still go into jail. Hello? You still got to pay the price. But God says, I know there's a better way. We cannot undo the damage that we inflict on others and ourselves when we sin. That's a tragic truth. 
But scripture teaches us we can be restored. God can heal the wounds of sin. God stands ready to give back what we forfeited when we give in to temptation. God will give back a clear conscience, physical and emotional rest. God will give back joy, gladness. God will give back fellowship with Him. An open door into the presence of God. A pure heart, a steadfast spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit. And joy unspeakable into our lives. I don't know about you. That's the greatest gift that God could ever give to us is our salvation. Everybody's looking for whatever's going to be under the tree. Xbox, PlayStation, those $200 shoes, that TV, that electronic device, those clothes. But the greatest gift that could ever be given is the gift of salvation into our lives. We as Christians need to act like we've got something greater than all these things. That's the joy of our salvation. Don't let the devil take it from you. Amen? Would you stand all over this house? I'll tell you something, church. God wants to renew in our lives. God wants to restore. God wants to refresh. And God wants to help us. We've got to allow him to do that. We've got to trust in him. We've got to believe on him. Amen. If you need something from God this morning, need to be anointed and prayed for, would you come? We're going to go to God in prayer and ask God to move and minister in, our, in the remainder of our service in this time of prayer. If you need something from God today, all you've got to do is take a step of faith out. Trust that he's able to do what is needed in your life. Whatever you need, God's able to do it. Amen. Dear kind and gracious Heavenly Fathers, we come to you this day. Again, thank you for the blessings that you've given us. Thank you for this great opportunity that you've allowed us to come into your house to worship and praise you. Father, today I pray that you'll continue to move in the remainder of this service. I pray, Father, you'll touch the hearts and lives of each one, those in-house and on live feet alike. And God, I thank you and I praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Man, Live Feed, thank you so much for being with us. Join us back Wednesday at 6.30. Live Feed, thank you so much for being with us. May God bless you. In-house, kill Live Feed, please. Smash the in Live Feed button, please. Right.